Well, welcome back, everybody, for week five of Living Your Blessed Life, this journey we're taking together as a church to discover how to experience God's blessings in our lives, how to live the kind of life and develop the kind of character traits that God blesses. And what we've discovered in this journey is that the keys to a blessed life are found in these eight opening statements of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And and these eight statements are known collectively as the Beatitudes. They are the attitudes I need to be if I want God to bless my life. And so each week we're sort of walking one by one through these Beatitudes, through these keys to a blessed life, to not only learn what those keys are, but more importantly, to figure out how to develop these character traits in our lives. And so today, we're going to be looking at this fifth Beatitude. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown Mercy. Say that with me out loud, all of our campuses. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. One more time, everybody. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Interestingly, this beatitude is different from every other beatitude. It is unique when compared to the other seven Beatitudes. Do you see what makes it unique? Can, can you see that? If not, it's okay. I'm going to tell you what makes it different. This is the only Beatitude in which the way that God blesses you is the same as the path to receive those blessings. What I mean is that the blessing of this beatitude is God's mercy shown to us. And the path to get that blessing is to be what? Merciful, right? To get mercy, you must give mercy. All the other beatitudes, the blessing and the path to that blessing are different. Like the blessing of inheriting the kingdom of God comes from developing a being poor in spirit. The blessing of God's comfort comes from mourning. The blessing of being fulfilled comes from hunger and thirsting after righteousness. But the blessing of mercy comes from being merciful. See, this beatitude is built on something known as the law of sowing and reaping. And that law says you reap what you sow. You get back what you give out. What goes around comes around. And this beatitude is not the only place that Jesus talks about this when it comes to mercy. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus actually tells a story that makes this same point. Jesus said there was a very wealthy man who had a servant who owed him Thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. This guy owed this this wealthy man more money than he could ever pay back in his life. And so the big boss calls the servant in. He said, we need to talk about this money. And the guy's like, yeah, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay it off. And the big boss says, no worries. I'm going to cancel the debt. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. Can you imagine? 
I mean, some of you have probably had the experience of paying off a debt like a car or a house. You know how freeing, what a blessing that is? So I can imagine this guy walking out of the boss's office going, man, living the blessed life. I am free. I am debt free, man. I don't have to pay it back. But then he runs into another servant who owes him about 10 bucks. And he's like, hey, what's up with my money, man? Give me my money. Give me that $10. The guy's like, yeah, man, I just don't have it with me. He grabs him by the collar and shakes him and says, if you don't pay me my money, I'm going to throw you in prison. The guy's like, I don't have the money. And he throws him in prison. The bad news is the big boss hears about it. He calls this unmerciful servant back into his office and is like, really? Really? I canceled hundreds of thousands of dollars of your debt? And you can't show mercy to somebody that owes you 10 bucks. And he throws him in prison. But look at what the big boss says, Matthew 18, verse 33. He says, you should have shown mercy to that other servant just as I showed mercy to you. Circle that phrase, just as. There's always a connection between the mercy we show and the mercy God shows to us. And so today I want to do two things. One, I want to talk a little bit about mercy. Make sure we all understand what mercy is. And then secondly, I want to look at some practical ways to be merciful. To develop this character trait so that we can experience God's mercy in our life. Make sense? See where I'm going? Great. Well, what is mercy? What does mercy mean? Most of us usually think of mercy as one of two things. Mercy is forgiving someone who doesn't deserve forgiveness. Or secondly, mercy is helping someone who cannot help themselves. That's what we typically think of when we think of mercy. And that's a big part of mercy. But there's so much more to it. That true mercy... The mercy that God shows us is much deeper than just helping people. It's much deeper than just forgiving people. Mercy at its heart is this. It is giving others what they need, not what they deserve. Let me say that again. Mercy is giving others what they need, not what they deserve. So how do I do that? Very practical. Four ways to be merciful. And I'm just going to warn you up front, we're going to dig a little deeper than most of us probably want to dig this morning. We're going to talk about mercy, not from 50,000 feet, these big ideals of mercy. We're going to get down to street level mercy. How do I truly show mercy to the people around me, the people in my home, my office, my school, the people that I pass on the street every day? What does real mercy look like in our daily lives. Four things you have to do to be merciful. You ready? Number one, be patient with people's peculiarities. Be patient with people's peculiarities. We all have peculiar people in our lives. We all have people that are just a little bit strange and different, right? I mean, you're thinking about, don't look at them, but you're thinking about who that is right now, right? They're just, somehow they find a way to get on your last nerve, right? They just always seem to, to kind of just drive you a little bit nuts. They're always kind of just irking you. Certainly, 
Being merciful is being patient with those people. But it's much more than that. It's much deeper. Because notice, I didn't say be patient with peculiar people. I said be patient with people's peculiarities. And we all have peculiarities. We all have quirks. We all have these little idiosyncrasies, these little mannerisms, these little picadillos in our life, right? Everybody you know has something they do that kind of bothers you, right? I mean, 90% of them you love, you love hanging out with them, but there's that 10% that you're just like, ugh, I wish they would change that. See, true mercy is about being patient with those quirks in the people we actually do like being around. In fact, look at what the Bible says, Ephesians 4, 2. It says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Circle that phrase, making allowance. I looked that up in my big Bible dictionary this week that tells me the Greek and the Hebrew. The Greek word that's used for that phrase literally means to put up with. To bear with. In other words, we are to give each other wide lanes of grace. We are to allow space for the quirkiness in the people around us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of the person that you are closest to right now. Who's that person that you love the most? Maybe it's your spouse Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your girlfriend, your boyfriend, parent, whoever. Who is the person that you love the most? As much as you love them, there is something about them that gets on your nerves, right? There's something about them that you wish they would change. There's something about them that you really wish your nagging about it would fix that issue in their life. Am I right? Sure. Being merciful simply means stop trying to change the things you don't like about the people around you and learn how to enjoy all the good things you do like about them. That's a deeper level of mercy. Now, please, don't misunderstand me. Don't hear what I am not saying. I am not saying that we should enable the destructive behaviors of people around us. I'm not talking about ignoring unhealthy behaviors. I'm not talking about, well, you know, I really love him, but he beats me, so I guess I just need to ignore that quirk. No, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is stop trying to change all the little things that annoy you because they really are just little things and don't miss the big things about the people around you because that's what mercy does. Mercy is patient. It makes allowances. It puts up with and gives wide lanes of grace to the people around us. And if you want God's mercy in your life, Jesus said, you got to show that kind of mercy to the people around you. Number two, the second way to be merciful is to be helpful with people's hurts. Be helpful with people's hurts. Because see, not only do the people around you have quirks, but the people around you have hurts. And many times their quirks are the result of their hurts. 
And I'm just telling you, if you don't know any hurting people around you right now, it's not because they're not there. It's because you are either too busy or too full of yourself to notice those hurts because everybody's hurting. Everybody's got scars. Everybody's got wounds. Everybody has pain in their lives. And if I really care, I'm willing to be aware of those hurts. And once I am aware of those hurts, mercy says I must act on that information you know jesus talks about mercy in his most famous sermon but he teaches us how to be merciful in his most famous story it's the story of the good samaritan you may be familiar with it jesus tells this story because one day a a legal religious expert who wanted to trap jesus comes up to him and says okay big guy if you really are from God, then tell me what is the most important commandment in the whole Bible. Of these thousands of commandments that God gives us for how to live, what is the most important one? He's trying to trick Jesus. Jesus is not tricked. Jesus said, that's an easy question. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in here depends on that. Now, this legal eagle guy, he, you know, he's trying to trap Jesus. So, good answer, Jesus. But he comes back with a second answer. Oh, love my neighbor. Well, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, I'm glad you asked. A man was traveling one day down the Jericho Road. And as he was traveling down this road, he was camel jacked by a group of thugs. They beat him up, they stole his money, and they threw him in the ditch to die. Jesus said, three men came along and saw this hurting man on the side of the road. Two of them completely ignored and kept walking by. But the third guy, who, by the way, was of a different race and a different culture, he stops, gets into the ditch, and he helps the man. He gives him first aid. He stops the bleeding, but he doesn't stop there. He then loads the man up on his donkey, carries him to the next town, to the closest thing they had to a hospital, which was an inn, He checks him into the inn and spends the night with him to make sure he's okay. And then on top of that, the next morning when the guy's out of critical danger, he says to the innkeeper, I'm going to pay his bill, not only for what he costs right now, but any needs he has in the next few days, you go ahead and cover it. And when I come back, I will pay for it. And then, I love what Jesus does. Jesus looks at this religious expert and said, so who's the neighbor? And look at the answer. Luke 10, 37. says, the expert in the, in the law replied, the one who, what? Had mercy on him. There is always a connection between mercy and helping hurting people, whoever those hurting people are. See, we, we all realize that the, the Good Samaritan helping this Jewish man, that's, you know, that's helping somebody that's different than you, somebody that you're at war with. We all understand that. What we fail to understand is the fact that this guy was walking on the road to Jericho by himself, carrying a lot of money, means he is partly responsible for ending up in the ditch. Everybody knew you don't travel this road. It's known for thieves. You don't walk down this road by yourself carrying a lot of money, and yet this guy did. But the Samaritan didn't say, well, serves you right, buddy. You know, you're in the ditch because you were stupid. No. Jesus is saying mercy helps people whoever they are and whatever caused the pain they are going through. Now listen, sometimes it's easy to see 
the pain in the people around you. Sometimes it's obvious, like this guy in the ditch. But many times, most of the time, the pain of the people around us is hidden. They buried it deep down inside. And it's behind a painted on smile, and I'm fine, and I'm okay. And that pain is deep. And man, if I've learned anything in this past year, it's how well people can hide their pain. That if you're not paying attention, if you're not engaging and getting close enough, you will think they are fine when all the while there are deep pains. People hide their pain well. And if you really want to go to another level in being merciful, you've got to be intentional about noticing the things that are easy to miss. I read a Facebook post. It was a quote from a a clinical professor in California. He writes these words. He says, the most basic and powerful way to connect to another person is to listen. Just listen. Perhaps the most important thing we can ever give each other is our attention. This week, there is a chance that you may pass by somebody in need. Flat tire on the road, somebody struggling. Their need will be very obvious. That may happen. I don't know if it will or not. But I can tell you there is a 100% chance that you will rub shoulders with somebody this week who's hurting inside. You will share an office or a car or stand in the line at Walmart with someone who is hurting. And the question is, will you listen and notice enough to be willing to be helpful with those hurts? And listen, most of the time being helpful is not fixing their problems. You can't fix the problems that the people have around you. But what you can do is listen, point them in the right direction, That's what it means to truly be merciful. Mercy is patient with people's peculiarities. Mercy helps people who are hurting. Number three, mercy means I need to be kind to those who keep offending. Be kind to those who keep offending. Two things I believe are true in our country today. Number one, we are easily offended. We have incredibly thin skin. See, if you vote differently than I do, it's not just because you hold a a different political opinion. You are so bad that I have to hate you just because you look politically different. If you live a lifestyle that's counter to my beliefs or if you hold a belief that is counter to my lifestyle, you're not just a person with a different opinion. You are a hater and I am offended by you. Your very presence offends me. We're all walking around offended all the time about everything that we don't jihaw with. And let me just tell you, by the way, in case you don't know, being offended is always a choice. It's always a choice. You take up an offense only if you want to. You don't have to be offended. I don't know. Maybe you didn't know that was an option. You don't have to be offended. And yet most of us are going around being offended at every little thing that's counter to what we think is right. The second thing is true in our culture is that we respond to offenses 
by being offensive, right? You post something bad about me, I'm coming back at you with something even worse. You don't believe that? Spend a little time on Facebook. Man, we can escalate our fights to just, you know, all that crazy stuff because we respond to offenses by being offensive. But here's what I want you to understand. Mercy is the antidote to both of those issues. Mercy is the antidote because mercy limits the things I let offend me. Mercy allows me not to be offended by other people. And mercy breaks the cycle of escalation. Imagine if somebody posted something that was different than your political view, something that you totally disagreed with. Imagine if you responded to that post with, I really disagree with what you're saying, but you are really a good writer. You wrote this really beautiful, right? Talk about de-escalating. That's mercy. But see, here's the problem for us in the church. As Christ followers, somehow we bought into the lie that being kind to someone means I condone their behaviors. That if I'm kind, if I don't lash out, if I don't fight back against people in this culture war, that somehow I am condoning their behavior. No, kindness does not condone behavior. Kindness is just how you express mercy. Don't take my word for it. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 4. Paul says, stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another. And by the way, that also includes typing in all caps. Don't curse each other or ever be rude. You catch that? Don't ever be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. See, as Christ followers... We should be the kindest, most mercy-filled people on the planet. Why? Because we've experienced God's kindness. We've experienced his mercy. We've experienced his forgiveness, and we should give that to others. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul would write this. Paul knew all about taking an offense for people who believe different than you. The whole first half of his life, he was deeply offended by the existence of Christians. As a Jew's Jew, he thought this idea of grace and forgiveness, not through the law, was an abomination. He did everything in his power to stamp the Christians out. He arrested them, threw, threw them in jail. He was offended and was going to do something about it until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And do you know how Jesus responded to this persecutor? This one who had tried to wipe his followers out. Mercy. Mercy. And then he connected him with other believers who showed him mercy. And it transformed his life. See, Paul understood the transforming power of mercy. Back in the day here at Cedar Creek, we used to sing a song in worship that said, It's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. And let me tell you something, church. It's our kindness, not our Facebook fights, that will lead people to repentance. Look, you have some offensive people in your life. There are people in your office, people in your extended family, people in your neighborhood who will say and do things that could be taken as offensive. 
And every time they do, it's a great opportunity for you to show mercy. To be kind. Because that's what real mercy does. And then finally, number four. The fourth way to be merciful is to value relationships over rules. Value relationships over rules. Mercy always prioritizes people over policies. Now let me just tell you something. There's always tension between mercy and personal responsibility. There's always this thought that if I keep showing someone mercy, they're never going to change. If there are never any consequences to their behavior, they're going to keep living the way they are. And so I feel like, ooh, I better not show too much mercy because they'll never take personal responsibility. Listen, that's not a new issue. This issue was within the early church, the churches that Paul planted, because they were 100% Jewish. They'd all come out of this culture of following the rules. It was all about the rules. The rules were the way to connect with God. And then here comes this gospel message. No, it's not about the rules. It's about grace, God's grace, his forgiveness. And they're like, wait a minute. If we keep showing grace, then people are going to keep sinning more. They said, if grace abounds, then sin will abound more. And Paul's like, no, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Look, mercy doesn't eliminate the law, but the law shows us our need for mercy. You see this same tension in Jesus' ministry. Because Jesus spoke often of the importance of the law. He talked a lot about the importance of keeping the commandments. And yet, on the other hand, there were some times where Jesus would seem to violate those laws in order to help somebody. One example of that is Jesus and his disciples were walking through a grain field on the Sabbath. And they were hungry. And so the disciples just snapped off a few heads of grain for a little granola snack. And the religious elite saw and said, Aha, you're not from God because you let your disciples violate the law of Moses. And you know what? I love Jesus' response. He points to their hero, David, a guy they knew was from God and said, oh, really? Don't you remember when David and his soldiers were hungry? When they went into the temple where they weren't supposed to go and they ate the bread that was consecrated that they weren't supposed to eat? See, it was okay then, but you're saying it's not okay now? You know what Jesus is saying is? You don't care about people. You care about the rules. You're using the rules to try to control people that you don't like. And then I love what Jesus says to them, Matthew 12, 7. Jesus said, but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. And then he quotes the prophet Hosea. He says, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. What does he mean by that? What does that verse mean? I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Well, look, for the Jews... The sacrificial system was at the heart of their religious life. The sacrifice and shedding the blood of animals. But why did they do it? Why did God set this up with them? Why did they have to make these animal sacrifices? To earn God's favor? No, to understand God's mercy. 
They sacrificed sheep in the temple to remind them of God's mercy when he freed them from Egypt with the blood of the lamb spread on their door and to point them towards the day when the true lamb of God would shed his blood on the cross to give them mercy. The whole purpose of the law was to show God's mercy. And yet all they could see was the rules. When rules become more important than people, you've missed the point of the rules. Why did God give the commandments to the nation of Israel? To keep them in line? To make them earn his favor? To make their life harder? No, he gave them the commands as an expression of love because that's how life works best. God lovingly gives these boundaries for behavior because outside the boundaries is a lot of pain. And God in his love and his mercy gives us these commands. But when we turn them into rules that we want people to follow because it makes us more comfortable, we miss the whole point. It's about love and mercy. Let me put it in today's language. What Jesus would say to us, is you cannot show up on your campus every Sunday, raise your hands and worship and sing, I love you, Lord, I praise you, Lord, and then treat the people around you like dirt and somehow think you're honoring God with your life. You can't. God always puts relationships over rules. So let me ask you this question. Where in your life right now have you allowed rules to trump relationships? Where have you allowed rules to get in the way of mercy towards the people around you? Maybe those of you who are parents, maybe it's with your kids. You're so driven by fear that something's bad's going to happen to them that you just keep enforcing the rules, but you don't help them understand why the rules are there. Years ago when I, we were in the throes of raising kids, Terry, now I don't know whether we heard this at a conference or read it in a book or something, but it, it stuck with me for a long time. When you have rules without relationships, that always leads to rebellion. But if you have relationships without rules, that will lead to chaos. We need rules with relationships, but the emphasis should always be on the relationship. Because that's what mercy does. It values relationships over rules. So as, as we close this morning, I, I want to give you a homework assignment. Something that I want you to do this week, and it's this. I want you to commit one act of premeditated mercy this week. One act that you've thought it out, planned it out, that you can show mercy to somebody around you. So here's what I want to do. It's a little bit different. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. All of our campuses, bow your heads, but keep your eyes open. And I want you to look at your outline. And I want you to look at those four things that we talked about today. And I want you to ask God to show you what one of these four can I use this week to show mercy to somebody in my life. Maybe for you it's about being a little more patient with the things that person you love does that gets on your nerves. To maybe nag a little bit less. Or, or maybe it's to, to listen and truly care and slow down long enough to help somebody who's hurting inside. 
Maybe for you, it's an opportunity to be kind to that jerk at work who is so offensive and just keeps offending. Maybe it's about saying, you know what? I don't have to take an offense. I can lay that down. Or maybe for you, it's about putting relationships over rules with your kids, your cohort, somewhere, wherever God is leading you. Father, we need your mercy. We desperately need us. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to be people who give mercy this week. In Jesus' name, amen.